0: Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Welcome to episode 23 of True Health Live. Woo. Yay. So we
1: are, yay! So we have with us our
0: co-hosts. We're all here, and if you are watching you will notice that two of us are in the same space. <laughs> so, um, I almost forgot. So, welcome to our co-host, Dr. Alia Komsani. Hi. And Anushka Gopilal.
1: Hello. I'm
0: Andrea. And I'm Precious Stephanie. Peace, everyone. Okay, so we are still in oh, our... In we're preventative <laughs> medicine. I almost forgot what we're Doing our preventative medicine series, and we're talking about health screenings. So this is health screening number two that we're going to talk about. Um, Not that we're not ranking them in any way. This is just how we decided to cover them because there were some scheduling issues. So today, the long-awaited discussion on mammograms. We're talking about boobies and keeping them healthy. So before we get into story time, because I think a few of us have like a mammogram story time. Let's get into like, you know, what a mammogram is and like why they're important. So first of all, about 13% of women, at least in the U.S., will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. That's about one in eight. And what they mean by invasive is that it's not a benign um, tumor, if you will. It is, you know, something that will, you know, can potentially spread um, and cause like a lot of damage and, and health problems. Um, we know that um, at least in this year, alone, we're almost at the end of 2021, but over 200,000, 280,000 um, women will most likely um, will have new cases of um, invasive breast cancer. And out of that, a little over 40,000 are probably going to succumb to the illness. So um, that's a problem. So that's why, you know, October, this is, this just kind of came up. I didn't even plan this, just FYI. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, let's do preventative medicine. You know, one of them will be mammograms. And it just so happened. October is breast cancer awareness month. So this falls right in time for us to discuss, um, mammograms, you know, um, and that's why you'll see a lot of people, you know, promoting October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So that color is pink. So when you see the pink, pink ribbon, that is in support of uh, breast cancer um, survivors, breast cancer patients, and breast cancer awareness. And so during this time, you know, there's a real big push, get your mammograms, you know, the mammogram is that um, examination, um, where it, it's, it's a not an ultrasound, but um, how do I say it? it's not a, it's a scan.
2: <laughs> it is a scan
0: uh, where they scan. say it again.
2: X-ray. Yeah.
0: <laughs> X-ray. Thank you. I was like, why? I'm like, it's not a vaccine. It is an X-ray of your boobs. So, um, and I'm saying it this way so that we can have like, just like a real conversation. So it doesn't sound so like clinical. Um, and I'm saying that because I actually had to get my first mammogram this year. It was quite nerve wracking, but I survived. Made I'm it. still here, still you know, it. I made it. Um and I heard so many different stories about the machine and what it does, and we'll get into that later. But, you know, it wasn't as um once it was done and once I was there, it wasn't as like, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, and you know, people, Interestingly enough, like when it was being scheduled, they are like, are you nervous? I'm like, yes. Like, you know, yes? What do you mean? Why are you asking me this question? I'm sure everybody right, says yes. Right. Like, yes, I'm nervous. Yeah. And when I'm nervous, I go silent. I don't talk. <laughs> so, you know, like they were asking questions, and it would be like one-word answers. Mm-hmm, yes, okay, mm-hmm. right. So we'll get into that later. But, you know, the mammogram is an X-ray of your breast and the breast tissue, not just a number camera Mm -hmm. again um but it's not just the actual breast itself but even like up under the arm because breast tissue does extend here there's lymph nodes and all sorts of things that need to be examined and looked at um so you know it's just it's not just going to be in the um the mass the fatty fatty tissue right it's Mm going to be you know where they have to look is all over you know because there is such a thing as called metastases and that's when you when cancer can spread um to other tissue or even organs um in your body so you know if you have if if there's metastatic breast cancer you can find those cells in the liver you know in other organs and they can tell because the cells have kind of traveled Mm -hmm. if you will and alia please correct me if i'm wrong i'm really like pulling from my you know mskcc days like (laughs) so like you know when They can see that it's metastasized because those cells in the liver will be the the breast cancer cells from up here. Mm. Um, So that is an example. So, you know, you definitely want to make sure you get checked, you know, and even if it's not breast cancer, um, you know, there, you know, it could be a benign tumor, something that can be handled pretty easily and Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. And you want to make sure that you remove that. I do know women, young women, like when I was younger, they had to have cysts removed and those things can form for all number of reasons. So, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure that you're taking care of your breasts because, um, you need them, you know, then, you know, we do have breast cancer survivors and you can survive without them. But again, if you want to, you know, if, if aesthetics sometimes is something that's, you know, important to you, get your breast checked the same way you would get anything else checked. And we were talking about colonoscopies, get your breast checked. This is really a big part of women's health. So, um, I'm going to stop there and like open up the floor for my co-host to jump in before we get to story time.
2: It's probably just worth also mentioning the fact that, um, you know, certain populations are more at risk uh, of, you know, dying of breast cancer, you know, being diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's important, you know, it's even more important if you belong to one of these populations, for example, women under 45, uh, black women, especially under 45, tend to be more at risk um, than other populations. Um, you know, if you have a history of, um, you know, certain mutations that make you more susceptible to breast cancer, then you should definitely, you know, uh, make sure you're getting, you know, you're checking for any you know, abnormalities and definitely, you know, go and get screened um and yeah so that's you know it's also worth mentioning that some people have you know more of a tendency to have these kind of mutations in particular we don't want to get too technical with it you know with the terminology but they they are termed BRCA mutations so if you have a history of that or if you belong to a certain population I think it's I think it's it's been noted that certain Jewish populations um have an you know um an increased risk due to the presence of this mutation so yeah (laughs) So that's also important to add.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it's genetic um, yes. in that case, that, that mutation. Yes. Yeah. like mm-hmm. I just wanted to well, add. I think so.
1: Sorry, I just wanted to add to um, what Aliyah said. Um, so, in the U.S., breast cancer is the most diagnosed cancer in women in their age um, ages twenty to thirties, and Black women are diagnosed at younger ages with more aggressive types of breast cancer than any other group. I just wanted to mention that as well, um, because we we need we we should start screening. I've, it, at earlier ages, um, because we are the ones that are getting hit the most, um, but we're finding out later, and then by the time we find out, it's spread. It's at the the, the most highest stages. Um, so glad we're having this discussion and sharing our stories. Right?
3: Yeah. And uh, thinking about the timeline, right? So, and I know when we initially introduced the the theme of screenings and assessments, Um, we spoke to the fact that, yes, when you're having um, your first mammogram, it's normally, you're normally in your 40s. But I think that based on what you all are speaking to, it is actually consistent with some of the information that I found, which is that you really need to become very familiar with your breasts way before you go in for your first mammogram. So those self exams are really important. Um, even when you have your annual um, visit with your OBGYN, if you're not comfortable with just pulling something up online, have your OBGYN walk you through how you do a self-exam. That's something you should at least begin to explore in your 20s so that you get the roadmap of what your breast feels like. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think you made a really good point. You know, those those lymph nodes that are under the arm um, e- examining that and feeling those and knowing where they are because some some women have are just more cystic-y. Um, they have what's called cystic breasts um, and, and you need to know that because a cyst will feel like a nodule or perhaps like a small tumor um, but they're not. But you need to know that. So you have to know your, the roadmap for your own body. Um, so that's in your 20s and 30s um, if you have a family history, then by your 30s, you need to make sure you're an advocate for yourself. Your insurance in most cases will pay for you to have a mammogram, even though you're you're sooner than that 40-year benchmark that they expect you to have it by. Um, but again, this is where information and advocacy becomes key. Mm-hmm. Um, and just... Yeah, know your body. Yeah, know, know it. We we have to because then you know when something just doesn't look right or doesn't mm-hmm. feel right, and you can go
0: right in and and not find out you're in you know
3: third or fourth stage, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, of cancer. Yeah. yeah,
0: I remember like when I first started to do like the self examinations. One of the things that I learned was like you know if you feel something, don't necessarily freak out yes. at the first be- check for symmetry. So if you check the other side and there's like something similar, then most likely you're okay. And then also like when I would get checkups, like I don't necessarily lean on my own understanding and like, you know, so when you're getting checkups, like, you know, the doctor can also do it. And then they're, and I think like they're a little lighter. Like they, yeah. I remember like, yeah, I feel like, like I'm yeah. more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like digging in there, like, and then that's probably where I'm like, what that? You know? But then when they're doing it, it's like, you know, it's like so light. And I'm like, are you sure you're gonna feel something if you just like don't you need to like touch it? You, know? <laughs> you like,
3: get, to, in gotta, there. get
0: in there, you know, like a deep tissue massage. But no, and so I'm like, well, if you don't find anything, I don't find anything, everything is okay. But then, when I reached that milestone, we'll talk about it. They were like, "Yeah, welcome to the club. Here's your script. You should go get one." So I was like, "Okay." So that's what I went and did. Um, But before I even get into that, I wanted to touch on something you you, you mentioned, Precious, about advocacy. Um, And it it goes into, like, the type of scan that I had. Mm -hmm. So I actually ended up getting um, a 3D scan. And as I was speaking with the tech, she was like, you know, make sure you share with your listeners and viewers, like, get a 3D scan. um, Because the 2D doesn't give you as much as a 3D. So um, the way I understand it... Like the 2D is like just any other flat image on a piece of paper. You know how we used to see scans of, you know, they'll put it up to the light and they'll look at it. But a 3D scan, they would look at it on the computer um, because it gets like so many images per inch. um, And you get like, a, you know, that full view of like what's happening in all that tissue. Um, and then sometimes they will like follow it up with an ultrasound, which is what happened with me. um, You know, and sometimes that's just baseline. So they can just make sure, like give a you know, give you the like, a okay, everything's good. Um, So, yes, I would say like, you know, if we've talked about like when you're in the doctor's office, ask questions, take your notebook and things like that. So when you are, you know, being told that you have to get a mammogram or, you know, you, you do because you have a family history or you've reached that milestone, age group, um, you know, make sure you inquire about that 3D scan um, just because it's you see more um, and then you don't have the run the risk of like, oh, we didn't see it. You mm-hmm. know, you see more. You, you run less of a risk. I'll say it that way, because there's always some reason why something cannot or may not be seen the first time around. So you run less of a risk of, you know, something not being caught you know, during that exam. Um, and again, like, you know, insurance companies, um, don't always necessarily pay for the 3d exam. So I want to make sure that's clear. Um, but you can, you know, probably, um, advocate for it and, you know, really have your doctor explain like why it's necessary. But right now insurance companies don't, they, you know, of course they cover the, the cheaper version, but you know, 3d exams have been around for a very long time. So it's not like it's new. Um, but I wanted to point that out. It's just one of those things that we run into when it comes to insurance mm-hmm. and um, things not being paid for. So um, it may have to be out of pocket. I'm not sure of the actual out-of-pocket cost, but these are some of the things that you want to do your research on before going into your exam. So um, I think that's all I had for right now <laughs> To story
3: time. Well, you know what? No. I can share something okay. about the 3D. <laughs> to, and it was something we discussed backstage. Um, just to give you a sense of the difference between a 2D scan and a 3D mm-hmm. scan, as a frame of reference, um, whether you, you know, had, uh, personally had a child or not, many of us have seen um, the, the photos, the first little sonogram photos mm-hmm. of someone who's pregnant. So the 2D scan are those really grainy, black and white images that sometimes we share. Um, And the 3D scans are there much more vibrant, like you can see more of the contours of the, and I'm just gonna use the imaging of like the face of the infant and you you just get a lot more of the detail. So just to kind of give you that visual for uh, the difference between the 2D and the 3D scan. So the 3D scan would give you a better sense of the landscape of your of your your, your breaths
2: right um it's interesting yeah just want to us that you um you make that comparison because it just came to me now that actually you know going just touching a little bit on the 3d scan versus 2d so a lot of the time if i'm if i recall correctly they use the, the 3d scanning is actually very um it's more used to, to detect deformities in children, you know, the cleft lip, you could see that. So that's just to kind of emphasize that point. That's a lot more of a detailed scan. Um, so the idea is that it, you know, emits radiation from a number of different angles and produces more of a detailed picture. Um, so, yeah, that comparison actually is it's, it's really good, a good way of kind of visualizing it. hmm
0: yeah. So, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so i um i was i think it was still summer i i got i went in for a checkup so this is my mammogram story so i went in for a checkup you know just some you know, the annual just make sure everything's okay and they were like uh how old are you and i was like and then they were like okay well you know it's time for you to get this uh this i was like really now and then i i asked i think i shared a little bit of this the, the pre-story before like I, I was like, oh, no. And I was like, and she's like, oh, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah. And um and, she, and I was like, have you ever had one before? I didn't even think when I asked her that question, like, because she was clearly younger than me. And she was like, no, she was like, I'm, I, I've i never had one before. And I'm like, right, because you're Generation mm-hmm. C Get away from me. Like, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like, wrong person asked So I just, like, took the script. Mind you, I lost it. I lost it. I think, I think, I think I must have put it in the shredder with some other. it. It was probably like me silently rebelling. Like yeah. I think, I think it was a little bit of that. So I, 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 um, I asked a friend like, Oh, you know, cause it was just a script. It wasn't like, Oh, go here. You know, cause I, I have my primary care is the doctor's office and she's not necessarily based out of a hospital where I go, mm-hmm. where it would have been like, Oh, you can go to whatever floor and schedule your scan. Right. So it's like, you get a script and you, you know, you you can find um find a place within network, but again, you get the script because that's you know if you you it's your referral, you right. know, depending on what insurance you have, whether it's a HMO, PPO, D, uh, not DMO, I think that's only for dentists, um, or or you know preferred access or whatever, you know, you'll have to definitely make sure you check to see like what your insurance is and how you would go about that process. But my process was. I get a script and then I can schedule the scan and, and bringing the script to the place is what, you know, allows them to like connect and um, communicate with my primary care provider and who they send the results to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also insurance purposes, Right. So, um, I called, I asked a friend, like, where did you go? And she told me she went to this place. I'm not going to do like promotions. I want, but it was an imaging center, um, specifically a women's imaging center. So that made me feel a little bit more, um, Comfortable, like mm-hmm. going to a place where there was wasn't like a whole lot of people going for like all these different types of scans. And even though it is a women's center, and they would have many different types mm-hmm. of scans, it's it's for a specific clientele. I felt more comfortable walking in. There are women at the front desk, you know, so they're probably mm-hmm. going to be a little bit more understanding of like you know the the anxiety of you know people coming in the door and like you know I don't know what's going to happen or you're going to find something, you know, whatever. So um, I went to this women's imaging center, um, and they were awesome, by the way. Like, you know, you walk in, and it was so, like, pink colors, like, very soft colors, like, very, like, feminine. And it it smelled nice. There was water trickling somewhere. I don't know where, but it was water. And I was just like, okay, you know, I feel a little bit better. Um, And, um, um, oh, before that, I called the place, and they were like, yep, we got you. The, The scheduling was quick. Um, so, you know, kudos to them, like the scheduling was really quick and they were like, just make sure you bring your script. So of course I had to like, uh, make a detour and go back to the doctor's office and get a replacement script <laughs> so that I can have that when I got to my appointment. So got that out of the way. I'm now at the place and I think i got it like two strong ago, like two Mondays ago, maybe three. Um, that's why we're having the show today. Cause I was like, we'll, we'll wait till I go get it. So. I said, she's like, all right, just, you know, the the normal of doctor's office, fill out this paperwork and have a seat. So I'm sitting there and I'm literally like, just like, there's nobody else there. Um, So I'm like looking around, like, you know, and then they finally, like, I wait maybe like 10 minutes. And, but, you know, 10 minutes when you're nervous can seem like a lifetime. (laughs) And so, like, she calls me back. And so she leads me to this room, to this area. Um, and it's like four doors and they're little changing rooms. And so they, um, and one thing she told me, which I was glad that I remember because when I am nervous, I don't, and you're talking to me, some things get in. And yeah. which is I'm sure what most people experience. Some things get in and some things don't. But mm-hmm. I did remember that she said, wear two pieces. So just a, a, a tip, wear a two piece. Um, because when they give you the piece of gown that you're going to put on, and leave open to the front, you at least have your bottoms covered. Because if you wear one piece, you're just gonna be naked. It's just you and your skivvies under the piece of gown. So wear two pieces. <laughs> Something piece like gown. Right, piece a piece of gown. gown. <laughs> a piece of gown. And so you um, you know, you'll leave you'll take off everything, of course. Um, you know, I you know, I was kinda nervous and I did have bracelets on, but I was like, Let me just take off everything. You really They'll tell you whether you need to or you don't. But um my earrings were a little bit like large that day, so I did take off the earrings because you don't want anything to like get in the way. Um I didn't have I if you have on like a necklace or a chain, I was able to just put it to the back. So like if you have something light on, you can probably just like take it and put it close up and let it hang or just like switch it to the back. You'll be you'll probably be okay. But if it's some big statement piece, you'll have to take that off obviously. Um so, you know, and then they were, it's so private. Like she was like, you mm, know, you can leave your clothes in the room. But of course, most like we take our purses with us. So the purse stays with me. So, but I was able to like leave my, my clothing um, in the room. And then, so I step into the room and I really wish I was able to upload the pictures, but I think I did put some on um, Instagram. So I'll keep like uploading them. Um, I did not take, I did not film while I was in there because something just said, Maybe you should have film with a big old x-ray machine in the room, like, but it probably would have been okay, um, but, it, and the, but I also was like, we're not fancy schmancy like that, and I don't have the least forms for you for the text. so right, right, just, right, like, right. just like, just like, take mental pictures, you know? I just like took a lot of mental pictures, and I did take a picture of the machine and like another little area of the, the place. So... I get in, and so she's like, all right, just have a seat. I'm just going to enter some information, So she's you know, so that um, when they're looking at it, I imagine what happens is, like, all of the patient data is, like, on the screen with the scan so that there's no mistaking, like, who it is. And, of course, they verify last name, date of birth, so they can make sure it's you, who you say you are, so that your information goes with the correct image in the system. So then I, she's like, all right, so you can step up. So you step up to this machine that is taller than you and um, there's like these pedals on the floor and I'm like, who's stepping on that pedal? And for how long? Like, you know, do they step on it to make it to make it sweep down? The answer is yes, but it's not me that had to step on it. So I go up and of course there's like some adjusting. So like whole boobs on, the, on this like platform and it does like, you know, it can adjust based on the height because we're all different heights. So it adjusts based on your height. And um, the tech is there and she's, you know, adjusting you. So, you know, your your breasts, the, the breast tissue, the actual whole breast itself is like, no matter what size you are, it is put on this uh, plate. And what I thought, so here's where it's like, did you go to college? Like, I thought that, um, and this is the thing, like, you know, like you, you, you'll you have a memory and you never upgrade it because the fear doesn't let you upgrade it, even though you know better. I thought it was going to be like two metal plates. Now, how an x-ray was going to get through two metal metal plates, plates. (laughs) I don't know. That's fear, though, right? Fear. And it's like, I should have known better. But it was just like an old memory that I had of, you know, someone talking about, right, because they also, you know, when people would say like, oh, it's plates. And then, you know, and this is from like way, way back when you're hearing about, and I never upgraded that memory i just you know put it out of my head because you know people i think someone had told like a horror story like they squeezed this so hard and da, 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 and i had like images in my head of like mammograms gone wrong it was like mammograms going awry was in my head and so that's you know that was what was feeding a lot of the nerves so once i saw the machine i'm like okay it's not that bad and it's actually of course underneath there is some metal because there's radiation yes. when it comes to x-rays but it's most I think it, I want to say it was like ceramic or I'm not sure what the material. Maybe it was like some special sort of plastic. The bottom, but the top, it is literally just a plastic tray or whatever, like a plate. But it, it looks like a tray on the top, and they kind of fit it in the machine based on what with what image they're looking for, or probably even like the size of your breast, and they you know put it in and they adjust your breast and they also adjust like your positioning. And the machine, so you you will there's a little hugging yes. going on with the machine. <laughs> and um, you know, she'll say turn this way or turn that way because and they know like what how what your position needs to be to get it. And I am only gonna go over one side because it's <laughs> it is it's symmetrical. So it's like rinse and repeat. Yeah, rinse and repeat. <laughs> so then she pushes it down and she steps on the pedal and I literally was like, I tend to up. Um, and then there is a, an additional manual adjustment to, like, just make sure it's secure. So somehow through all of this, like, she's just talking to me. And we started talking about menstrual hygiene, of all things, while we're talking about boobies. And so she starts telling me this story because I was telling her about red wrap and, like, oh, you know, um, you know, I do, like, some menstrual hygiene work where I work with homeless shelters to do X, Y, Z. And so she starts telling me about her experience of when she first got her period and she only had voices. So I don't think she had to, like, explain it to a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her how, like, some of the stories we heard, like, they didn't really, people, a lot of women didn't get, like, that that explanation of what the period was from their moms. And so we're just talking about this thing. And she's telling me about, like, back in the day, like, they had to have, like, uh, it, it was, like, an apparatus that you would put on. And it would have, like, a hole in the front and a hole in the back and the actual uh, product had strings on it that you would attach to each hole and I'm looking at this woman like you don't look that old like and I'm like I've never even heard of anything like that and I didn't like and I was like, "I don't know if that would be offensive if I say you don't even look that old so I just like was in my head like you that old like oh my goodness meanwhile my boob is being squished to high heaven but I didn't really notice because we're talking because and so I was um relaxed Mm -hmm. so like and she was saying like yeah the tension she was good she had me so relaxed and we're just talking about like periods you know of all things we're talking about menses and the and the machine is just like twist and it twists and turns and there was a piece of me was like should i like go with it you know like twist with it and um but and then it was over and then i think we did it maybe a few more times because they have to they, they do have to get up under, so then there's another time where you have to, like, kind of lean in or whatever. So I think we did maybe, like, three times on each side where she would have to, like, switch the tray, put it in, squeeze down, and then it's, you know, the machine turns for all the images and things like that. Um, but throughout the whole time, I was super relaxed because we were talking about something else, like, mm-hmm. unrelated. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, that's the trick. You just gotta relax and I was like you're good <laughs> you're so good because I was like so nervous so then when we we're done she's like okay so now you're just gonna go they had like this really cute waiting room where they had um like these pictures one like these two bras one was like encrusted with like little plastic crystals and the other one was like one cup was money and the other cup was something else and they were part they were there because the, the I think years ago they had um a contest mm-hmm. and like some patients had like decorated the bras and stuff like that. So I just took a picture. So we'll, we'll share those on like the channel or whatever. So they were really cute. Um, And so she's like, you know, they may or may not do an ultrasound. We'll let you know. And I'm like, all right. So as I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there for like five minutes. She comes back and she's like, we're going to do an ultrasound. My heart drops. <laughs> and I, and I, and I figured I was like, well, if they don't find anything, they won't need to do the ultrasound. And I, and she's like, you know, the doctors, you like, just wants to make sure they see something. I think I had to go in again for another scan because she said that my tissue was dense on oh, the outer yeah. side. And mm-hmm. so she was like, "You, your tissue was a little dense. And I'm literally like having a heart attack in my head, you know? And I'm like, she's like, it doesn't mean we found anything. And I'm like, I don't care what you just said. You just said I have to have enough sound. You got to take some more images. You're just trying to keep me calm. So I I was like, okay, and then we go back, we do the image again, and then I sit down, then they come back and we do the ultrasound, and she's just like rolling, rolling, and then the tech is like, you know, they legally cannot be like, you know, oh, everything's fine or whatever, even though they, you know, they can, they know what they're looking at, but because they're not the doctor, they can't say whatever. But what she was able to say, okay, well, everything looks good, but you have to wait for the doctor to come and, you know, I'm you know, i going to bring this to the doctor. And so this, the, the mammogram was okay, um, as per the radiologist, because, you know, it's the techs that actually perform the test, but the radiologist has to give it the thumbs up. And then the ultrasound was okay, and they're like, well, just email the results to your doctor. but there was a little waiting between, you know, the tech coming back saying, you know, doctor said thumbs up or whatever. So, you know, while I'm, I'm just like swinging my legs off the table, like, you know, like, what if they come in and say this? How are you going to feel? But it, I didn't need to do all that. Don't do that to yourself. It's going to be difficult, but don't do that to yourself, you know? And I will say like, try to think of something else. And uh, when you go, like, talk to the tech. They're, they're, they're really good, especially mm-hmm. if you get like a good one. They're really good and like having a conversation about something totally unrelated will relax you and then they're able to get, you know, more, you know, because then they're able to move the machine the way they need right. to move it without you being like, like a stiff as a board, you know, Why just that the stiff as a board, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah. So that was my mammogram experience and it ended up, everything ended up being okay. Um, but I thought it was interesting to share because it was like, here I am, like, you know, I'm educated, gainfully employed, and there are a lot of things that I did not know. Um, and I'm in public health, but there's things that I did not know about the mammogram and what to expect. Because sometimes if you've never had an experience, you can't really speak to it. Um, mm-hmm. So this, now I have it. You know, I have knowledge of it. I did it. So there's wisdom. And now I understand what has to happen. Mm-hmm. The next time it can explain like that to someone else. Even though outcomes may be different because we have different bodies, but you know the process of you know what to do and what to go through will be pretty similar. So um, that's my mammogram story. It was it was a little nerve wracking at first, but I made it. And then they gave me a rose on the way Aww. out the door. It that's was sweet. A pink rose, <laughs> that <was> so good. <laughs> that was so sweet. Like, okay, and then I was like, this is the best. Did that rose make you ever- feel better? It did. <laughs> a lot better they knew, they knew what they were doing they, 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 I think they knew I was falling nerves and it was just like okay once that was done I was like all right next back to work you know <laughs> so that's my story
3: so before we go into the other stories if I may I wanted to just give some context to the dense breast yeah I don't we don't want to assume everyone knows what that means so we know that you know the breast is perhaps we're thinking it's just fatty tissues but it isn't it's fatty tissues, it's glandular tissues, and there's also, there's one more, connective tissue. And that's what makes up the breast. And Alia, of course, you know I'm deferring to you <laughs> if I get any of this wrong. Um, but those three factors is what makes up the, the mass that is one's breast. Um, and when you have a dense breast, it usually means that the glandular and I think it's the fatty tissues, there is much more of it. Mm-hmm. And if you think like fat, even if you you know if you ever eaten meat or had to clean meat, when you're taking that fat away, just that's what's in you. Something very similar, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very yeah. like Galactic. viscous comes to mind, but it's like very not clear, you know, very opal, mm-hmm. as if you will. Lesson. I don't know what the word is. Opaque. That's Opaque. the word. But what that does when you're having a scan is they're not able to get a clear image. And so when we hear, I, you have dense breast tissue, um, we get fearful. Mm-hmm. Because what we know is if your breast is dense, then it's more challenging for them to detect cancer or tumors so because the detection is more challenging of course then it's if you have dense breast tissue it's highly it's more likely that perhaps you'll have something that's undetected so don't so i don't want the connection to be dense breast tissue means breast cancer it actually means you need to be more vigilant so you need to be more vigilant And stay on top of those self-exams and consistent about and persistent about um, the timing of your mammograms. So that that's I,
2: I yeah. just wanted
3: to really quality. Yeah, just that. for
2: comparative sake. Um, sorry, deirdre, I had to cut you off. Um, just for comparative sake, this if you work if you have been pregnant or have breastfed, your 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 breasts tend to be more dense when you're breastfeeding. So it's that same kind of heaviness and fullness. Um that you, you kind of get when you're breastfeeding. Um, so just, yeah, just think of a comparison. Mm.
3: Mm, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: That's
2: yeah. A, and it is a different, oh, all right. Because, Thanks you know, you be, when you're breastfeeding, you have a lot more ducks, milk ducks, and, you know, they're more productive. So you're gonna have more connective tissue, you know, an increase in that. So it'll be more fibrous and glandular than it would be fatty.
3: Yeah. Now, the only other thing that I yeah. wanted to touch on, and perhaps they didn't give you these instructions, or maybe you lost it with your script, mm-hmm. but yeah. you, um, when you're going in for a mammogram, you're usually told not to wear deodorant. Yes. And you, Thank oh, you. She
0: she did. But I didn't. But I didn't. I, right. yeah, okay, I didn't, didn't. I didn't wear any Perfect. because I actually don't. I use a different kind of yeah. thing. I, right. I actually,
3: Even the crystal or whatever. Like, you don't mm. use anything. No perfumes, no lotion. Nothing. No so, lotion, nothing. so it's it's probably best to schedule your mammogram your very mammogram. early in the morning. Yeah. Because you don't, funky <laughs> it. You know. Um but again, even with and then this is this will be my last little plug for like safety. You if you're still using traditional deodorant um that has Aluminum and all of the other chemicals that mm-hmm. just sit and coat your the the skin. Yeah. Um it blocks the pores, it allows all of that aluminum and toxins to enter into those glands that are feeding right into the breast. Really think about that. Yeah. Um there are so many, I mean we're in 2021. There are so many alternatives, there are natural alternatives. Yeah. Um, of course, we we beat this, you know, this poor little horse. To death, but if you're eating, if your diet changes, the what your body secretes changes. Yeah. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, well my, my you know my body odor is just really strong, so I need Mitchum Extra Plus. I don't know, I don't know what it's called these days. <laughs> But if, if it's you great. feel like you need that that super dense deodorant that is caked on your underarm for days, um, really think about that because it can contribute to breast cancer. Yeah. And or even just tumors, because all of the toxins can't be secreted through the pores yeah. as it should be. Yeah. So I'm gonna I see Alia nodding.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah. just to add to that the lymph, you know, being the lymph nodes being located um so close to the breast and you know the lymph is essentially the drainage system of the body. So you know, having all those toxins going into the skin, through the skin and like you said, precious, definitely agree diet you know, um, can really help alleviate, um, you know, the symptoms of, you know, having um, odor, uh, et cetera. Um, and we don't need to use all these kind of heavy duty products, which, you know, like mm-hmm. you say, yeah. aluminium have loads of different toxins um, that can do more harm than anything.
0: Yeah. You know what? And I'll just like full disclosure. When I said like, and I, because I don't, that's what the, the deodorant issue, it wasn't an issue for me because I actually don't, use deodorant like the traditional deodorant and number one like the the when we pre the diet change i was using you know like the Dove secret you know whatever and i would try to get them where they would say like less of this that or the other but the truth is like they, you shouldn't be using them anyway and so that was a lot of the push for why I stopped using them because I had always known like this is your drainage system and you're putting things in there and then you start sweating and then it gets kicked up. Your arms are like this for most of the day. You, you know, what's 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 going into the skin? Um, you know, even though we're concerned about odor coming out, what are we putting in that we shouldn't? So um for years now, I um the, before I use what I use now, I did switch to like the plant-based or vegan, mm-hmm. and um, the brand I use, I won't say which one. Their main ingredient is baking soda, and right. we know baking soda can work, but you know it can also burn you, mm-hmm. and that's what happened to me. Like it, it was, it burns like the the, the skin under, mm-hmm. and it like and what happened? The skin underneath became very dark, and so and I realized it was a baking soda, and I was like, what's happening right now? Um, mm-hmm. so I stopped using it, and of course it healed so i now use salt so Mm -hmm. like when i get out of the shower i actually and they had some again i'm not going to say brand we're not going to promote brands here but you can get them in plenty of places whole foods has it and it is actually like a a salt stick that you can rub under your Mm -hmm. arms and it works wonders Again, I had a diet change. If you're yeah. eating like loads of meat and then it's probably not gonna work for you. <laughs> so like, you know, you have to like really know your body and like the odors that come out and the salt mm-hmm. um stick actually works fine for me. And you know, sometimes you won't even have to use it. Um, yeah, so like the, the deodorant thing actually wasn't an issue for me. That's mm-hmm. probably why I forgot to forget like, mm-hmm. was I didn't I knew it wasn't gonna be a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you might wanna think about those things like that's you know goes that's that's a lot <laughs> to go from. Don't wear deodorant for your skin, but here's the this is the reason why. But it also you know there are also you know things that can lead to breast cancer in certain yes. um, deodorants. Yes. So you know just a plug for that. <laughs> Anishka, do you have anything to add um, or a story to share?
1: I do. I have my own uh, mammal story. Um, so I had my first mammogram at age 31 and that was back in 2015. So it happened to come about, um, when I had my annual primary care, um, visit with my doctor and she did the, the exam and, you know, I'm 31 and I'm just like, yeah, it's just a regular appointment. You know, we're talking as she's doing it. And then she was like, Hmm, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Hmm. <laughs> She's like, okay, and then she said, and Deidre, you're right. They, she was a lot like ease, easier like doing it. I'm like, how can you feel anything? And but then she did the hmm thing, and I was like, well, okay. And she kept on um like comparing what she was feeling on each breast, um, and she said, you know, I feel something. I don't know what it is, but it may be nothing. But let's just be on the safe side. Um, and I said, okay. And she was like, all right. So we're gonna schedule you for a mammo and an ultrasound. So I said, okay, that's fine. So she gave me the script um, to schedule this, but I was just so nervous um, and also scared of what the results would be that it took me a lot longer to schedule it. And I'm thinking in my head, but the longer you wait, um, if it, you know, if it is something, it's gonna grow, right? So eventually, I just gathered all my courage and I was like, you know what? Let me get this done. Um, and actually, because too, I kept thinking about my daughter. Um, and she was five before going on five at the time. And so I was like, I need to get this done. Um, so I went, did all those steps. They did tell me, however, prior to going, you know, no deodorant, lotions or perfumes and things like that. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I can't, you know, but I was like, well, if that's the case, like, like you said, precious early morning appointments. <laughs> so I think I took an eight o'clock <laughs> appointment. Um, and I went there very nice, um, facility, uh, very nice, like, you know, staff uh, that made me very comfortable. Uh, it was more women in the room, in the waiting area. We had lockers that so we had to take our things off and put it in, which was fine, um, but I wasn't alone. However, the room was cold and I was freezing. And I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone I, and I noticed like the other women were getting called and I was like, OK, how much longer do I have to sit here? Because then you have to be patient um, to see, you know, to get get in um, on your turn. Uh, a nice uh, technician came and got me. And, you know, I'm only five one. So when I stepped up to the machine, I was like, okay, she's going to bring it down and all that stuff. (laughs) And I was fine. Um, But at some point, at one point, I was on my tippy (laughs) 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 toes. And I was like, okay, (laughs) how much longer do I have to do this? And honestly, like all the stories that I've heard um, and that I was told, it was always those traumatic ones. Like, oh my God, it hurts. Mm I didn't know what to expect. And I'm just like, I hope it doesn't hurt. To my surprise, it wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. And sidebar, the same thing happened with me when I was giving birth because all of the traumatic stories I kept hearing in my when I delivered, it wasn't anything like what I heard. So that goes to show you everybody's body is different and we have our own experiences because our body can, you know, carry certain pains or tolerate certain pains or whatnot. Um, So. I said, oh, I was nervous for no reason. <laughs> like, it's not that bad. And I was calm and my tech was amazing. Like you said, they they try to distract you. We talked about a whole bunch of things. Um, and she was awesome. They got, it got to a point, though, when um, when it, when the, the compression had to go from, like, top to bottom, that piece. And I had to be on my tippy toes. And it's always towards the end that you get most frustrated because you're thinking it's about to be over. And it's like, no, we have to do something <laughs> I also got the piece that mm, your breasts are a little dense and I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she just kept taking photos and at that point I was just like, listen lady, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't hurry this up, we're going to fight. <laughs> that was just my thought. <laughs> and it started to hurt. Um, but by the time I finished that thought, um, she was like, okay, it's all done. Let's do the ultrasound. Um, actually, I can't remember they did the ultrasound first, either way I got both of them done. Uh, The most excruciating part was the waiting period after the examination, when you have to wait for the doctor, the uh, radiologist to give you the results. So I was just like, gosh, how much longer do I have to wait in this cold room? Um, It's not like you wait in the waiting area where, you know, folks are, like the reception area. It's like the room where the patients are. Um, Finally, she came out and she was like, everything is good. Uh, We want to do a six month follow up, though, because this is your first. So we need we'd like to compare what it's like. And I had just came came, um, off my menses as well. Um, So they just wanted to do a follow up. So I said, "Okay, that's fine. However, I didn't get my follow up until a few years later. Um, So I went back again same place ended up with the same technician and um again she said nothing everything is all good you're fine and i was like oh awesome but then i just kept give, doing my own self examinations and i i kept feeling a lump in one of my breasts and i didn't feel it in the other one and so that made me very nervous cuz i'm just like i went twice they haven't found anything but what is this that i'm feeling like you know, and we've heard so many stories where you go misdiagnosed or um, diagnosed and, you know, doctors are humans. They can make mistakes. You know, they can be wrong. And in this world of advocacy that we're, you know, we all have a piece of, we know if we don't speak up, um, things will get lost through the through the many cracks. And as women of color, it's even more likely to happen. And so I'm just like, I don't want to be another story that it's like, this could have been prevented, but it wasn't, if I knew how to speak up. And as you know, person, a public health professional working in this space um, for so long and being educated on it, I'm like, I can advocate for myself. If Even if I don't know all the ins and outs, I know how to speak up if I have concerns. And so I did that, um, ended up going to get an ultrasound. <laughs> so now the third ultrasound, I, I tried a different location, a different, um, hospital um to see what you know what maybe they would say i didn't like this facility but we did what they had to do however the the tech came back um with the doctor and said you know they saw a little cyst in that same breast that i had questions about then went on to say but it's nothing it's hard it's it's harmless yada yada yada. and i said how can it be harmless and why is it there if it's harmless (laughs) you know um And so I said, okay, I don't have to be worried about anything. Is there any follow-ups? What do I need to do? And she was like, "Um, we'll send this to your primary care and we'll go through. She'll go over everything that she wants you to go through. Um, If if there is a follow-up, she'll let you know. So I said, okay, fine. I didn't, I spoke to my um, primary care and she said, the results are normal. I said, what do you mean normal? They told me there was a cyst. She said, "Um, yes, but it's, it's not harmful. You don't have to do anything right now. So I heard the right now piece and that mm-hmm. that didn't make me feel comfortable at all. I said, okay, something's not right. Hence why I'm in, I'm in the market for a new, for a new PCB. <laughs> Um, But I kept, you know, giving myself these self-examinations and I don't know, for, to me, I feel like it's grown. So therefore it cannot be anything, you know, it's not that it's not nothing because it wouldn't grow if it's nothing. Right. But then I'm like, is my, is my mind playing tricks on me because I'm so nervous or because I'm thinking the worst. Um, and what do I do now? So now I'm, I have a script, another script to do another diagno, uh, not a diagnostic test um, with the original facility that I went to. So I'm in the process of making that appointment. I'm still nervous, but I've worked in the cancer centers. Um, I run a program, an advocacy program for um, women who we want to engage for breast cancer awareness. And so I am even more knowledgeable now than I was then. And through my process, through the work that I do on a day-to-day basis, you can you can still live right you can beat cancer you can um there's so many things you you can there are so many survival stories and so the main thing is just going to get screened and once you do that you it's like you, you've taken off the biggest pressures right and the fear so getting over that fear and just going to get screened doing yourself um your self-examinations is very important asking questions. If you're uncomfortable with what you're hearing, if you're uncertain with what you're hearing, just ask as many questions you want to ask. Follow up on the follow-up. And a lot of times we're like, okay, you may think that, oh gosh, I'm asking too much, but no, that's why the providers are there. So they can be helpful. So they can answer those questions because they are trained to answer those questions. And if you believe that this doesn't sound so right, and you're not like satisfied with what you're hearing, you have the ability to have a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion so on and so forth, Um, until you feel comfortable, until you feel that all your concerns have been addressed, that you are satisfied with what you're hearing, you're going to get these tests. um, And even thinking outside the box, you know, you can work with providers to see, you know, as you do your research, work with them, ask them as many questions. Um, There are some tests that maybe they wouldn't think um, to do. It's routine. But if you bring it up, they it may spark a conversation. And be like, you know what? Let's let's talk more about that. Let's see if this makes sense to do. Um, so I'm still in uh, still <laughs> in the process of doing what the fourth the scan, getting that on the books. Uh, it can be difficult sometimes because mm-hmm. when it's just routine uh, memos, they can put you out depending where you go for like months. And that's what someone said to me, and I'm like, uh, no, you can't put me out months. This is a diagnostic, and so they'll get you in within a week for that. Um, and so, yeah, I was on top of that in next week. <laughs> I should be getting a call to Google in next week. Um, and I can update you guys on that. But, um, yeah, sometimes you just got to push through the fear and being nervous. Mm-hmm. A little bit, of, a little of not putting on deodorant will not harm you in any way for a few, maybe a half an hour to an hour, you'll be fine. But the earlier you go, the better. Um, having a good support system, a lot of times, too, we try, we try to keep th- those things to ourselves and we don't tell folks, um, especially when it's not routine. And I was one of those people. However, I decided, like, no, I'm not going to do that because, again, I have a young daughter and I was a single mom. Um, so I let my mom know and my aunt, and they came with me and my daughter the first time. <laughs> um, and now my daughter's like, yeah, I want to go again, like, you know, even if I'm just sitting in the waiting room. So just having, you know, a support system there, uh, routine or not, is really good because it keeps you in a good mental space and an emotional space. Um, and it makes the process a lot easier to know that you have folks there to, um, along the journey that's going to hold your hand if you need to. And so that's my story. <laughs>
3: I have a
1: question for your Nishka. Could you, because
3: you made a distinction um, when your appointment was initially proposed for a month or six weeks out, you made it clear that this was a diagnostic test. So can you just define for the audience what the difference is, like why they wound up um, giving you that earlier appointment?
1: Sure. So the routine is exactly that. It's things that have to be done at a particular time uh, that you know, regardless of uh, what it is. It's just to make sure that everything's okay, not that they found anything. Whereas a diagnostic for me, um, I found something, the doctor felt something, and so we need to define what that something is. So we need to get, the. they had to get me in slash, you know, they would need to get a patient in sooner rather than later um, to find out what that thing is. Because the longer you wait, as I said, your body changes, things change. Um, and so you want to get it sooner rather than later, and be more preventative. Um, I always believe prevention is better than cure. Um, so when I said the diagnostic, they were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, next week," because it's a, they, it's a liability now if they don't get it um, get me in at a proper time. And something is to happen. If they don't catch it on time, um, and something exists. That is a lawsuit against them, um, and they're they're the ones that would be held accountable for that. So it's very important to be very specific um, and let them know. Sometimes people assume because they're on the other line, you know, the other side of the phone call, but um, just let them know it's not routine. This is a diagnostic, and whatever's on that script. Sometimes the doctors may word things a particular way or code it, and the technician knows that. Okay, well, if you code, if you write it this way and use this language you'll get in faster. And so mm-hmm. that's what I had to also do. Once I explained it, she was like, oh, well, change it. Have your doctor change it to, to X, Y, and Z. Um, and they did that. So just make sure you're clear on the, of the screen.
3: The advocacy, and I wanted, I wanted the audience to kind of get a sense of what, when they need to speak up and why, right. you know, so you may, nervous and anxious um you know but then there is also oftentimes that piece of i don't want to know and even if i have to know i don't want to know right now yeah so yeah i'll take the appointment six weeks from now yeah you don't want to do that so that was why i didn't i don't put you in the spot but i wanted you to define why you said to them no this is a diagnostic because this is really to kind of rule in or rule out something and it's very you know specific yeah um i wanted to just define Again, what cyst is in the breast? So that because you know, yeah, it's about these you know these tests, but it's also about understanding what what your body, um, health, all all components of it. So a cyst is just a a sack, like a little fluid sac, usually with water that um, builds up. And and you can have cysts anywhere. Yeah. Um. But since we're we're talking about the mammary glands, right? AKA the breast. Then we're going to focus on that. Um. So it's a fluid sac, and they're usually benign, right? right? So they're usually not affiliated with um, cancer at all. But it's important that you know that they exist. Um, Oftentimes, we're told for things that are not high priority, not cancerous. You're told to watch and wait, mm-hmm. mm. but sometimes watching and waiting <laughs> is really because for the medical community, it's just not a high priority, right? And and we can respect that it is not a high priority because for those fighting cancer, and right. that's, that's that's a major a priority. priority. But your cysts should be your priority, and doing research about what they are and how they're formed and, you know, some of the symptomology uh, that you, some of the symptoms you could experience when you have them. Um, it's important because when you have a cyst sometimes particular, particularly around your menses, um, mm-hmm. you may experience more breast tenderness or pain or mm-hmm. soreness in that area. Um, so that's something that you should almost be prepared for, right? Or even make preparations in advance to kind of manage, right? Whether it's a, a cool pack or a warm pack. Um, but yeah, there was one other thing that I wanted to touch on. that it, like completely blew out. Oh, menopause. So yeah. um, with the, this in breath. Oh, right. <laughs> Am I hitting all your buttons? <laughs> I was like,
2: yeah. Hey, chat. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So you could go ahead. Tell them. Go ahead. No,
2: no, that's fine.
3: <laughs> so yeah, regarding cis, um, you tend to find that women who are their 20s and 30s have a much higher risk or likelihood of having cis. And as you enter into menopause and as the hormonal composition of your body shifts, um, you'll find that those cysts go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I just I wanted to touch
0: on that just yeah. a little bit, um, and, and sort of. The- like when you, because initially you mentioned like, you know, I think you said like, after, like during your first scan, you had just come off your menses. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is really mm-hmm. important to kind of know like what's happening with your body at that time. Like when I went, I was like, okay, like I'm kind of, I'm in the in-between stages. Mm-hmm. So I should be like kind of leveled out because we know like, yeah, there's a lot of tenderness in the breast. There are things that you, you feel that you don't feel when you're not on your menses. So it's just like, all right, so I think we're going to be at the most... Normal part, you know where my breasts are not going to be as tender or you know as you know maybe there might be a little bit of you know lumps and bumps that are not nodules that you know will will not be there when um when there is some like sort of just like shifting when I am on my menses so. Um, those are all things to be aware of. Like, you know, this is why the self-examinations are important because you get to know what they feel like at all the different times of your cycle. Mm -hmm. So, like, even the conversation that I had in the room about, like, the messies, like, it's all related, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, it's really important to know... Your body in a lot of different ways not just like isolated like oh I know my breasts in just as the breasts but how are your breasts when you're menstruating how are your breasts when you're not menstruating you know how are your breasts when you stress how are your breasts when you're not stressed you know so they're, they're, everything is related
2: yeah just and, and my
0: would have been a routine so right. to give the distinction between like well what is a routine exam like I was just routine it's my first there's no history to get a baseline. Get a right? baseline. Yeah. There's no history. So like, there's no need to rush. If I had gone in with the, the doctor felt something, then it would have become like yours and it's good diagnostic. But I was coming in as baseline, no history, didn't feel anything. So that's a routine exam. And I was fortunate enough to get the exam when I did because I was expecting to have to wait because it was not like a, you know, emergency, high priority, high priority right?
2: just to just to kind of and um just to add a few points, i'm not gonna uh go on too much and following on from what you said precious um so people also who are on h r t hormone replacement therapy also have there's a connection and you know um you know it's been proven to to in, in kind of what was increase the cancer risk if you are on h r t and also just a, another quick add we've talked about. You know breast cancer risk and women. Um, what's also not mentioned a lot of the time is that men also yes. uh, can get breast cancer and definitely should be you know doing the basic checks and also you know going in for screening, which is a whole different kind of topic. Yeah, like.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I was like, okay, yeah, don't forget about the men. Um, I have actually um, a doctor, and oncologist, who is also being treated. Um, this is during my time in um undergrad and i had an internship at a, a lymph lympho, lymphology i'm so bad it was an <laughs> oncology clinic and um um and um i forget what they specialized, especially like what what cancers but it definitely was in um the, a lot of blood cancers and some solid tumor mm-hmm. and i remember like it was after hours and i was about to head out and one of the nurses was, like, still hooking up. Um, if you've ever seen, like, what chemo looks like, sometimes it looks like, you know, it's the same thing as, like, what they'll sometimes hook a saline bag onto. And so the is <laughs> in solution that's hanging on off of the pole. And there's, like, the box with all the gadgets to, like, mm-hmm. regulate, you know, how much is going in through the syringe, like, once they put it. Because it's intravenous. And um, I remember them saying, oh, they're getting Dr. Doctor So-and-so's chemo ready. Um, and he had breast cancer, mm-hmm. and and that was the first time that I had realized that men can also have breast cancers because there is still tissue. They have we you know we say pecs for men, but it is the breasts you know breastplate, you know the, so there is um they don't they don't necessarily have the ducts for um, milk for you know the same as women do because we bear children, but there is still the the fatty tissue that's there, and there can absolutely um, develop breast cancer in that area. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's a whole other thing, but because when we talk about breast cancer, the focus is usually women and more women do get breast cancer and die from it. Um, but it's just a, you know, not a fun fact, but a, you know, lesser known lesser discussed fact, men get breast cancer too.
3: And so this discussion is important, right? Because we're, we're assuming we're speaking to women, but as the women, as the wives, right, as the big sisters, like as the aunts, um, it's important for you to, to share this information. Um, as the wife, it might be necessary for you to actually just go in there and say, you know what? I was listening to you Health Live and they reminded me like, yeah, I'm doing myself exams. But, you know, what? once a quarter, <laughs> I'm going to have to get in there and just check around those mm-hmm. packs. It may seem silly, but make it silly, make it light, make it yeah. approachable so that, you know, if you're if you're made if you if you have a spouse that you're prioritizing their health. So you're preparing yeah. them healthy food. You also just get in there and, and check yeah. those pets.
0: And there is a good percentage of um, women because I'm, I'm not sure about the men, but they um, their nodules or, you know, some sort of lump was found. With, with their partner right you know so it's totally yes. fine and sometimes to foreplay is good you know you might find something you know that shouldn't be there right so you know um you know those are those times when you you know you're having a little you fun right work it, right? In. Work work it in. <laughs> in you know when you're having those moments work it in there and a lot there because there's a good amount of women mm-hmm. who um are alive today because their mate found something there and then is. they went and got it checked out so this was a great discussion. It was. it was. Before we go, let's like check the comments because I think we got a few. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, OP oh peace, thank you so much for joining us. I thought it was like I'm like, I hope we didn't miss all the comments because we got like carried away with story time. But um, yes, yeah, so this was a much needed discussion and especially like timely because it is breast cancer awareness mm-hmm. month and you know we are four women sitting here talking about health and health screening, so how could we not discuss um the importance of breasts and breast cancer and like taking care of our bodies especially the part um that has um taken so many lives so um you know definitely if you were able to listen um listen in if you have any questions please feel free to put them in the comments sorry i'm um, so sorry <laughs> just check it in the comment box as always um, if you have any, you know, suggestions, um, stories, we are always taking stories. So even though we've aired this show, if you have a mammal story, or even we've done the colonoscopy mm-hmm. show, if you have a colonoscopy story, please share them. Um, and I will say like, so for the next time, our next show, we are going to be talking about bah, 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 prostate. So that is another health screening that's really important. So we started off with, you know, the tests where both, uh um, men and women um, can get them because they're something that um, we're both at risk for breast cancer, more so women, but men as well. But we want to show our compliments, some love and talk about, you know, what they go through. And so we want to talk about um, prostate. So we are in the process of, you know, trying to bring on a guest because I want to make sure it's not for women talking about prostate. <laughs>
1: See, none of us have one.
0: So we will make sure to have uh, <laughs> those guests on the show. If you have a story, a prostate story, please um, share them. You are more than welcome to come on live and share your story. Or you can send us an email and we can read it live on air. So as always, until the next time, thank you for joining us at True Health Live. And we will see you in the forward. Peace. Bye. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to TrueHealthLive at gmail.com. See you next time.